Hi, all. Sorry this episode's so late. I had three things working against me. Um, work kind of kicked into high gear. Um, it was an episode that was just a bear to edit regardless. Um, and to top it all off, um, my audio was kind of crappy. Um, so, yeah, I'm getting used to a new mic. Um, think I've got that figured out. Um, so hopefully it'll be better in the future. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy. Take it away, Joe Bob. Prepare yourself for sheer fucking hubris. Fucking hubris. Alright, hello, and welcome to Sheer Fucking Hubris, the podcast where myself, Mr. Willie, and Biblio Warden each week watch another episode of Star Trek Discovery and then proceed to praise it and uh, discuss all the merits of this show. Yes. Or, or in this case, uh, what we refer to as choosing our pain. So, but, uh, exactly. This week's yeah. episode was season one, episode five. Choose your pain. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah. and before we get too uh, far yeah. into this episode, you know, I, I promised early on that I would always talk about when I feel like things were done well. And I think one great thing about this episode is that we just really threw any sort of forward thinking and plot continuity to the wind. And we just created whatever scene we needed to to advance the plot, no matter how asinine or <laughs> just stupid it was <laughs> that any of the characters would have been in these situations well, at yeah. all. I, I mean, it's just, who's, it, ma- who's making these decisions in Starfleet? I mean... Well, that's, for- that is a recurring theme <laughs> with this series, is who the fuck is planning any of these missions? Whether it's the Klingon side or the Starfleet side, I've yet to see a well-planned yeah. mission. <laughs> yeah. um, Churchill, will you mind taking this horse and buggy through Nazi Germany? We really need you in Switzerland. I mean, <laughs> ah, fucking shit. So, without further ado... I shall meet uh, them in Switzerland. <laughs> we will fight them in the shuttle. Yeah, and, and, All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> One other thing that I just want to mention is that uh, not only is it contrivances in the way that scenes are set up, but we also just have the characters behave in a way that is not the plot consistent. needs them to. I mean, not that we had done the huge job of characterizing them. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and say this about the episode. Um, if you guys could disagree with me, you know, one of the one of the characters that I feel like has been consistently interesting has been Saru. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said that, yeah. They spent four episodes actually building up a fairly interesting character, <laughs> and then they just got him to act however the fuck he needed to act in this episode. Oh, uh, no. And it, I was uh, like, what the, what the fuck God. is this? Um, yeah. Did anyone else oh, feel I, that way? I did, I did. Uh, and, and it wasn't just Saru. Um, I feel like there was uh, at least one or two scenes with uh, not Scotty, that uh, that that didn't stick to his character arc thus far, but uh, Saru made a couple comments that I was like, nothing that would not have come out of Saru's mouth uh, with the character bio that we've developed so far in this show. Yeah, but 
for whatever reason we uh but uh, are we, we, we uh, went there and again and that's what i was getting at we have just departed from any sort of uh logical continuity or progression to uh you know what we've kind of written ourselves into a corner here so we're just gonna force it and uh and it'll be okay because nobody's watching it for the character developments they're watching it for the pew pew and the the explosions and all that so and we well, got I'll plenty of that we got plenty of that in this episode we got some pew pew we got some pew uh, pew. we got some weird camera angles and uh so we're we're good to go i'll so. say this for not scotty at least he's only we've only had two episodes of him and i feel like I only hated him in the first episode that he was in and he was kind of charming in the second one. And, and I feel like this is this, this third episode is not too out of character with him from the last episode. Yeah. So I, I didn't yeah. necessarily feel that way. I do like I'll the get- fact that we completely, completely shed any sort of illusions that Michael is supposed to be logical or raised by Vulcans in this episode. At yeah. no point did she act unemotional yeah so all right well uh like i said let's uh let's get going and we're gonna we're gonna take it right off with burnham who has a pleasant dream to start off the episode um you know which uh you know i guess we just dive right in we go balls deep right off the right off the bat here because you know there she is she's she's screaming and uh, uh she's got the tardigrade needles in her and and so we we get right off the bat and yeah, set up the story that she's dog. yep so that she is very concerned about the tardigrade or the not tardigrade because we still haven't actually answered yeah. that question yet. But at least the um, over the top opening this time makes some sort of sense compared to the overall arc of the episode. It's not like the uh, synthesizer, you know, strange thing in the last episode thunderstorm oh no it's just making her uniform um <laughs> yeah so but but so so uh uh she uh like like joe bob said uh the dream was not very logical it was quite emotional and maybe that was just her human subconscious boiling to the surface but here's what i don't get you go back to uh Lorca's little uh torture room and like they're keeping this thing in a cage like it puts the mycelium on its skin or else it gets the light again. <laughs> and and we're worried about its mental well-being. Buffalo, <laughs> Buffalo Bill Orca. <laughs> yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. We're keeping this thing locked away, uh, you know, basically torturing it. And she's like, you know, I, I'm just worried I'm just it's not getting sh- depressed. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Oh, no shit. <laughs> Wouldn't you be? I mean, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, so but part uh, of the opening was once again to just establish, it was just to make fun of Tilly because <laughs> yeah. we couldn't have a dream sequence without it being bookended with Tilly sit snoring uh, irritatingly. <laughs> I still think they're making fun of us every time they poke fun. I, I, I think they are too. Like Tilly is the Flanders. Of Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> Idy diddly ho, really? <laughs> yeah, like, um, uh, you know, when she sits down at lunch there and, and she's like, it's okay, you can have other friends. And uh, and Burnham gives her the old, it's not you, it's me speech. And 
I mean, just who's writing Tilly? What what about this fits any sort of normal human behavior oh, in I an environment like Navy? <laughs> so, uh, but um, I'm really not one to talk about normal human behavior. So, <laughs> okay, God. <laughs> so, <sighs> so, so we're worried about the tardigrade. At least so we're set- <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so so we're setting up some good plot elements, right? We've got the the tardigrade or the not tardigrade, just it's still not microscopic, and we haven't addressed how it's <laughs> macroscopic, and that still pisses me off to no end whenever we see it. But um, and so but all right, so we we pan over. So Joe Bob, tell me about this uh, this uh, super secret war council that Lorca has been summoned to, apparently. Um, that's so secret they can't take a ship there. They have well, to take a I, shuttle. I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand this. This doesn't make any goddamn sense. Because okay, okay, okay. First of all, you've got a freaking spore drive. That's what first of all is. They, a, a da- exactly. dash drive. A dash yeah. drive. The the dash drive allows because they call it the displacement activated spore hub drive again in this episode. But uh, but anyway, all right. So so we got the spore drive, and uh, we take the Yugo instead. So <laughs> right, right. Um, okay. I don't know. I don't know where the discovery is in relation to this uh, super secret military installation that looks like it's it's the most ostentatious thing. It, was, it looks like the fucking fortress of solitude. <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can see the fucker from Kronos. <laughs> <laughs> but oh. I do know that when the discovery gets to the to the point where the shuttle was uh, was captured, that they're only five light years from like three Klingon bases and colonies. So, like, why why, why the fuck are you putting your war council on shuttles this close to enemy territory when you have a ship? Uh, Exactly. Blip right there. And did you notice that once he was captured, the admiral still just beamed in her hologram to talk to Saru? Yeah. So it's it's not like they were out of range for that sort of communication method. No, but, and uh, we've, we've established that they do the Skype calls with everybody on. I I. Uh, but it was all correct me, but they were all in person there for some reason. They brought them all in person. Oh um, well, yes. Uh, so, so, but it, it, it cracked me up because this is so Lorca like. There's only two people on the shuttle, right? Do you think the pilot was like, you know, hey, Captain Lorca, it's just two of us. You want to ride shotgun? He's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and he just, he doesn't even take the first seat. He takes one near no. the back and just sits there stoically staring at the floor the whole time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, it's, uh, like, I mean, now that did fit Lorca's character, you oh, know? Perfect. And, and the whole the whole war council did too, where he's basically like, you know, I don't care what you say. We're the only ship that can do this. It's my ship. I'm going to do what I want. Um, okay. At least so, that at least that reinforces the recurring theme that the chain of command no longer exists. It doesn't mean one goddamn thing because she <laughs> says uh, she says something like, "Until further notice, don't use the spore drive to do any attacks until." you're ordered by Starfleet command. And I thought, well, what the fuck has he just been like swamp Fox and it 
on his own this whole time. You know, like, I mean, in the last episode, you know, Dr. Katrina, is she a doctor or an admiral? Because I, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Who the hell is, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first one you call by name is, is her. This minor character thus far, you actually call her by name. She's the most so. well-rounded character so far. I like her. Uh, okay. Her screen time has been kept to a minimum. Yeah. So <laughs> she hasn't pissed uh, me off yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, actually, that's not true. Because she pissed me off when she's talking about the secret weapon and they don't want it ID'd. Well, here's the thing. If you don't want the enemy to identify your secret weapon, don't paint the registry number and name on the ship. Maybe just leave it off of that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good Get point. Um, that's a good point, but yeah. So, all right. So they they command him. They say, you know, look, no more jumps. He says, you know, uh, piss off. I'm gonna do what I want to do because I'm Captain Lorca, and that's that's what we do. So, so we're back on the shuttle, heading back to the Discovery for whatever reason. And what do we find again? The tractor beam yes. and. And and, and here we go. We, we we give a nod to all of us who are pissed off about them changing the Klingons too much. They're like uh, Klingon D seven battle cruiser, you know. Yeah. And the the only thing it shares with the Klingon D seven <laughs> battle cruiser is the name. <laughs> I thought that too. So, I'm like that's that's worse. <laughs> like don't call it. <laughs> Just don't even if call you're it that. Call it a D seven. Then at least make it look like a D seven. Don't make it look. I mean, it's like call yeah, it a yeah. arrowhead or whatever. <laughs> Whatever the shit it was. Uh, so, so, so the the D7 pops in. We we get our tractor beam scene, our our token tractor beam for the episode. And I and, just want to uh, point something out. A, a comment that I made in I don't know one of the episodes is it seems like a bad idea for these shuttles to be convertibles. Did you notice where the Klingons attacked from? He dropped. Mm-hmm. He dropped from the top. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I did see that. Just, just uh, that out. Yes. Yes. I feel like I feel like we need like a ding sound when uh, one of us gets a prediction right because I know there's at least one or two more in this episode. Producer's note: Joe Bob, ask and you shall receive. Whoop, 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 whoop. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So they capture Lorca because for whatever reason he was off in space with a pilot who didn't offer up much resistance, um, you know, and, and so he gets captured and, and taken on board the Klingon D-7, right? So our next scene, we beam the hologram into Saru, right? We tell him, you got to go get him. So Saru says, uh, let's, let, let's find the, the shuttle's last known location and plot all possible escape vectors. I don't know how many possible escape vectors are, but it's got to be 360 degrees in one plane, yeah. right? You know, think, and then I, you you have an infinite number of planes. Yeah, I was like, say, I, I how think many the, vectors could they be? I think the number you're looking for is infinity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, okay. And, right, one so here, presumes okay. they were looking for plausible escape vectors. I, <sighs> Okay, I, all right, I'll I'll give you that. Okay, but why couldn't they have done that from wherever they were? Because they still knew the shuttle's last known location, and they knew where those vectors could have possibly gone. 
True. Why did they have to go back to the scene of the abduction? They did not. <laughs> that would be your answer. And that's what I'm saying. Like We've just they, started they, making things happen because they need to happen. They yes, needed to right. be somewhere. Yeah, so... <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I, so, right. I know the feeling. I still don't understand how the threat boner works because now it, it, it pops up just when Michael steps onto the bridge. Right, right. Presumably now, at this point is a place that she's allowed to be. Yeah, it's uh I'm starting to I, think it's just a Michael boner. <laughs> no. It could be. Could be. Yeah, because it it's no longer just threat driven. Now, at this point, it's just like eerie feeling boner too. You know, <laughs> I mean, this guy's popping boners everywhere. Like he, I hope he carries a newspaper with him everywhere he goes. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, all right, Always so had, man. Always have it. That's right. The next time, the next time he's got to work with Michael, he's gonna be like wearing a toboggan in the scene. <laughs> Are you cold? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying something out here. New look. Oh, man. <laughs> so, so, the, so the eerie feeling boner goes off, and oh, okay. Michael, comes, Michael comes onto the bridge, even though she was not there for any sort of devious or conniving reasons. So you're right. It's just a Michael boner, because she wasn't there in any sort of threatening manner. Um. Well, we find so, out later she's a predator. Even that's right. She's she is. coming to discuss the safety of the Tartar <laughs> right. dog. Right. In probably the most candid captain's ready room scene ever. It's like, come, just come here. Sit down on the couch. Let's talk it out. You know, it wasn't even like they just stepped in there and talked. It pans to the scene, and they're both just like sitting on this little couch and, and talking it out. Right. And so she's, uh, She's telling him about the, the tardigrade, the not tardigrade. Um, this, can I just say it, this pissed me off? <laughs> you, you're always you're welcome pissed? to say that it pissed you continue, off. Continue, continue. <laughs> so so she, she's telling him about the tardigrade and how it's, how it's hurting him and, and all this. And so the creature who is bred or evolved to know when danger or when you know adverse conditions are coming he's like ah you come to me with no proof about this you know this is you've got just a hunch this is happening so he says you go you go figure this out right no you go or no No, he says leave it be oh yeah that's right he He says you leave it be he says to her you don't figure this out but let me back up a second because i don't understand why this fucking conversation didn't go do you have any proof? Well, its frontal lobe shows deterioration each time we jump. Uh, it's <laughs> it's sluggish. It's more and more sluggish. There appears to be degradation in the cells. Yada, yada, yada. Like the 17 things that she had listed when she was talking to everybody else about it. Yeah. She's just like, no, I've got no proof. He's like, well, then you're not useful to me. Get the fuck out of here. And That's never. Right. And, and don't do the science officer thing and try to figure anything out. <sighs> Now, yeah. bear in mind, Which was a very unsaru thing to do. Yeah, this is when Saru starts acting officer. not Saru, right? Exactly. And, but, so. and, but bear in mind that a theme of this show is piss poor planning of missions. And right? recall that this tardigrade is the essential component in their propulsion 
and navigation system. Would it not make sense to, I don't know, make sure that it is operational enough to jump into enemy territory and jump out? I mean, if she had come and said, I don't think that the warp core can hold up to two more jumps, don't you yeah. think they would have maybe looked into it? Probably would have. But because yeah, but- the... To but be because- fair, that's what that, that's what the War Council was telling Lorca. They're they're like, you know, you're in possession of the only asset we have left that can make this thing work. So they were making sense, and then Lorca's like, ah, oh, you know, to hell with that. And so then, they, they, then we go on, right? And Saru doesn't care about it. So sorry, I I pulled you back a little bit, but uh, we, we keep going. Well, no, no, that that pissed me off. The fact that Saru doesn't. A, want to find out more information about something. B, would plan a incursion with potentially no escape route. C, that he's so aggressive in wanting to go get Lorca when, you know, he was, I mean, he, Giorgio's body wasn't even cold before he beamed Michael out of there. He didn't seem uh, super excited about going to get that. I mean, he's, (laughs) the whole thing just, aggravated me. The character has grown. The character has grown, Joe Bob, and now he realizes, you know, he told Burnham that he'll do a better job protecting his captain than she did. So, by God, we're going to go get Lorca. Right? Maybe he should have asked the computer what to do. (laughs) Tell him, this this computer, man. Oh, can we move on to that scene? Because I'm pretty sure that's the same scene. It's the same scene. Burnham walks out and he's like, computer, Tell me the most decorated captains. And, and the computer you know, but, says, this, these <laughs> are the five. captains that we have done shows on or have guest starred so, in, in right, so original series episodes. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't know all of them, but right off the bat, I saw three of the five. I'm like, really? We couldn't even just come up with a new name or at least make – I mean, you remember when uh, in TNG the computer would give a list and it just like scroll for – yeah, you know, ten minutes, right? You're no, telling there, me we got only five, five. <laughs> five decorated captains. Uh, three of them. All, yeah, it was Archer from Enterprise, <laughs> Flippa Jojo, Captain Pike, Captain Pike, and Decker, the other two I didn't. Decker, I, I didn't know the uh, other two. Decker and, uh, was Robert April. Yeah, yeah, Robert April was the captain of the Enterprise uh, right before Captain Pike. He was a cute player, right? And. uh Decker was in an original series episode and was the father of young Decker who fucked V'ger in <laughs> in the motion picture. So, all right, so then that makes it even worse because I was giving him, you know, I was like, I could do some research, but I recognize three names, which means chances are all five of them were just um, name dropping that we did. But that so. wasn't even the best part. The best part is that in this federation, even the computers are murderous because they're like, alternate suggestion, kill Michael. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Yep. I forgot about that. Is this the uh, same goddamn computer that, like... <laughs> that wouldn't let her out of the, the jail cell? Let, yeah. <laughs> Your priority is to protect me. Hmm, maybe, uh, maybe, the portal. maybe the computer's holding a grudge against Burnham and, and he's trying to get her <laughs> murdered. So... This is the bitch that got it's, like, it's like the Moriarty computer. <laughs> it's the computer version of the con in the sh- of the convict in the shuttle. Like, yeah. 
My he sister uploaded his consciousness was on the Europa that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. One thing so, I do like about the computer in this scene really quick. I thought it was interesting when he said, I need you to evaluate my performance in light of uh, character traits of these captains, blah, 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 blah. And the computer asked a question back about why am I doing this? And I actually thought that was that cool writing just because I'm like, it's it's showing it's that self-aware. This, this computer is smart enough to know to ask for more information if it's not understanding and I'm like, if only they could teach Siri. Um, so, <laughs> I, it, so I just thought it was cool that it was a computer that's act honestly smarter than most humans um, because it understands that you know. And then, as a as a positive character trait for Saru, he does not get resentful when the computer asks it a question about why he wanted. He understands the computer's ask. It's not a personal affront on his professional ability or anything. <laughs> He does not afford the same kind of grace to uh, sentient beings, though. But, no, but the computer, the computer, he'll let it, he'll let it slide. True. Um, so, all right. So we move on to the jail scene or the the uh, the brig scene. Yeah, the first brig. Scene. <sighs> uh, it drove me crazy how we just went brig discovery, brig discovery. <laughs> brig discovery. I mean, just jumping back and forth. <laughs> this episode, I mean, it it. Again, it really suffers from the the season long arc stuff where we're jumping between subplots again. <laughs> Although it was kind of, I thought it was kind of silly that if you're gonna have if you're gonna have a season long arc, then don't wrap up the whole Lorca got captured, Lorca escaped, Lorca's back on the Discovery in <laughs> in one episode when it's a subplot. Like, yeah, that's true. That's true, but so so this this jail scene, and I stole one of uh, one of Joe Bob's uh, uh, trademark lines on this one because none of it made any damn sense at all. So it's goddamn sense. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So 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 we're in this room, and you've got uh, uh, Harvey Mudd. Who Which, at the time I didn't realize and you called the shit out of this I, I, one. I, I was just <laughs> you being called stupid. the shit out of it. I was just being stupid. And I'll tell. This is another example on this show when you guys say something and I'm just going. And I'll tell. I'll tell one on myself because I had no idea that that Harvey Mudd was Star Trek canon, and and then you said that, and then he's in the show, and I'm like, wait a minute. And so uh, I look him up, and sure enough, I figure out that he has been in the show before. So, so, you, so you've got in this in this jail scene in this brig, you got you got uh, uh, Dwight Schrute, you got <laughs> you got Captain Lorca, you have some comatose dude, and then apparently you had Ash Tyler napping behind a stack of rods. Because <laughs> later on, he's just like, "Oh yeah, sorry, I was just trying to." Uh, get my energy back. It's like well, I, I was out of the rotation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez, I don't even know what that meant. Like that's what I'm talking about. It's like they forgot to write him in the first scene, and so they're like, "Oh shit, how are we gonna get him in here?" Let's just say he was napping behind this stack of pipes back here. I hated the whole ash. So, <sighs> so we we'll come get, in we'll get some more ash later. We will get to more ash later. Yep. Yeah. So. So we come in, choose your pain. 
and uh, and so they 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 picked the comatose guy who I guess they broke his neck and killed him, or I did they just? I mean, he I, ought to be dead. He that. ought to be dead. Um, if the point is to break the will of your prisoners and mm-hmm. keep them from from being able to get in cahoots with one another. Why would you let them just say like, "Hey, yeah, that guy's already passed out. Just beat the shit out of him." Yeah, you know. So, mm. so that they choose their pain, and they I, go over. I I didn't think this was quite as brilliant as Harry Mudd thought it was. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was kind of dumb. I mean, cause uh, what, what if everybody what, always chose themselves? Yeah. Then you'd be like building up morale. Yeah. So that, again, again, none of this scene made any sense to me. At all. And it's obvious that the Klingons in the Federation do not understand how certain things work. And in this case, we're talking about incarceration. Um, so, I mean, you have all, you have your prisoners together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they can, like, you know, like. Plan an escape. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. When the right man arrives, mind you. Yeah. It was always a two-man time. Seven months. <laughs> Seven well, months waiting <laughs> on him. Yeah. Uh, so, oh god, this oh it, it hurts my brain because see, like that comment right there. When the fuck did the Klingons take prisoners at the Battle of the Binary Stars? Uh, they tracked her being the wrong one. You didn't get at that. At what point during the, at what point during the pew pew were they tractor beaming <clears throat> people in? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that's a very that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Again, and, the and then remember plot everybody left. needed did they him go, to did be they, there, right? Did they go back and get him mm-hmm. like, and not? And not check on Takuma's ship. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. That's I, I distinctly remember them shooting down all the escape pods whenever they had a chance to do so. That is, but that is, um, yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah. So <clears throat> again, again, this whole scene. So, so choose your pain. They come in. They um, look. You know, and, they and one other thing, I just, I just want to point out one other thing. Like by the end of No Shave November. I look like bones at the beginning of the motion picture. <laughs> You're telling me that's the best beard that Ash can grow in seven months? Uh, well, yeah. l- uh, uh, Lacrell was too busy playing dress up with him, apparently. So, <laughs> uh, who is La- who is Lacrell? Okay, Lacrell is the yeah the quote captain. She was like the lackey who was basically kicked off of. I ship. She stole a Raider, low. and now she's the captain of a D seven battle cruiser. Where the no, hell that did wasn't, it? Oh, yes, it was. It's, it's no, the same it's not, character. No. It's the same character, man. No, no, it's, no, it's I, not. Yes, yes, it is. No, it's yes, not. It oh, my God, fine. We'll wait. We'll wait. No, that is the well, same no, character. Is it? It is the same character, Joe Bob. Are you shitting me? No, I, no shit is being had. <laughs> no, it is the same character. That's the same. So well, what about she's, what about Volk? Where where oh, he's still he's still slaying his way. He's he's still she's, yeah he's still slaying his way through the fuck. matriarchs. And, and he, she's fucking Tyler. Yep. Fuck! Oh god damn it! God damn it! They're gonna do that. Fuck! God damn it! That means did the, so she is the clan of the deceivers and weavers of lies. Yep. So we're going to do this thing, <laughs> this fucking trope that I cannot stand. 
He's going to be a spy. And it's going to be the damn traitor in our midst. And I hated it in Picard. I hated it in everything. And Oh, my. Oh, now I get it. Uh, yeah. No, because the, the, the fires of Kalos burn everything away, but the ash remains. <laughs> God damn it, I didn't realize that was the same bitch. <laughs> oh, man. I was, well, I'm sorry that I ruined this episode for you. But oh, uh, my God. I, no, I, just can't, I just hate it more. All right. All right. Look, oh, my God. Look, damn it. I'm gonna, You're too far I'm along. Need some time. We don't... No, I'm going to need to recover from this. <laughs> you just dropped a bombshell on me. I did not pick that up. Because <laughs> I, I even wrote down, like, do all women wear white in the, in the KDF? <laughs> Oh man! But okay. So <laughs> is it? Uh, it's Morton. the same character. Morton. It's the same Morton. character. Uh, oh my oh, god, Lorel, What? It, what? Whatever. Who cares? Um, I wasn't correcting. Just I... <laughs> so. Can we make a more cliche villain character than than Mud in these scenes in this episode? Like, mm. I mean, he's uh, they. They didn't even make him interesting. He's just pure evil. Like, I mean, everything about him was so sleazy. Like, he didn't even, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, as soon as the episode started yeah. and you saw him the first time, you knew, <laughs> all right, this guy's obviously going to do something and advance yeah. the plot by being evil. I was going to say, you know? I mean, he's a con man. <laughs> he's space con man. I, I, th I thought that it was a pretty decent approximation of the mud from the original series. Overall, I thought Mud was presented in Discovery considerably more darkly than he is in original series. I mean, he's a smarmy con man in both cases, but he comes across really dark in Discovery, whereas in original, kind of more of the avuncular scoundrel. I mean, he's skeevy as... I'm sorry, wasn't he involved in the sex trade in the original yes, series? I mean, don't get me wrong, he's skeevy as hell. Um, I mean, frankly, <laughs> I'm kind of I'm surprised that it they didn't go darker than they did. I mean, I figured they would have to, you know, have him pimping out children or something. Well, but yeah, uh, you know, that, that might be it. That it might just be the tone with which they present things in the '60s is different than now. I mean, they really worked. Oh well, that's the truth. I, I mean, they were like they were. They, there was a tone of yuck yuck about him. And, and well, uh, yeah, fair enough. Speaking of, this is this was, I, I guess it was a call back to the 60s, but I know that neither of you are martial arts specialists. How effective is the double fist punch? <laughs> really? Because uh, Ash, Ash breaks that out in the escape scene later on, and I was like, <laughs> that I feel like that would break your pinky. Yeah, so let's not get ahead of ourselves. We haven't okay. even gotten there yet. Yes. You. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 okay. All right. so, all right. The next scene that I have written down is not Cuba Gooding goes to Targeneering. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And here, and you know, this goes back to you talking about uh, Burnham has just departed from all sense of logic because, like, a few episodes earlier, she talks about how, like, Sarek never tried to build her self confidence or anything like that because. It just wasn't logical. And she goes in there and starts stroking Stamets' ego. Have you noticed that? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, yes. I actually wrote sucking up is not very Vulcan. It is not very Vulcan, but she goes in and she starts stroking his ego, and the doc is standing there, and, and he's like, the, the best escape line ever. This is like, um, you know, GTFO <laughs> maneuver number seven. Oh, I, I've got an Andorian tonsillectomy to perform, and just okay, <laughs> turns around and walks I've- out. <laughs> right. I have a question because that confused me because he said, I got to assist the CMO with the Andorian tonsillectomy. So we've been following him. Is he not even the 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 chief medical officer? He is not. He's, he is a He's doctor. just registered nurse, Cuba, not Cuba Gooding? <laughs> he's a doctor, but he is not the chief medical officer. Yeah. Okay. All right. That, which I guess is so, why his opinion was so easily dismissed. So we haven't. We keep meeting these characters who are not the chief engineer yeah. and not the chief medical officer. Is this? It's like the fucking episode Lower Decks in, yep. in TNG. Actually, so, kind of yes, and I think that was intentional. Uh, we couldn't. We yeah, could, I, We couldn't bill out um, chief any sort of any sort of ranking position. We couldn't get an actor and pay him <laughs> enough to do it. So, so okay. Here's my next question: If you're going to build a coalition to try and advance your point and your argument, wouldn't you get someone who, I guess, their opinion is a little more regarded as the final word instead of just like, "What are you doing here? Get out of here. Go take your Andorian tonsils out." You know, it, it's like she. It's I. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just. Maybe I'm being too hard on them. I think. Well, I, I felt like getting out. Go ahead, Borden. I think he's just getting out of the conversation because he doesn't. Um, Maybe so. And you know, foreshadowing to the end of the episode, um, you know. Yeah, we we get it at the yeah at the end. <laughs> we, it, it it comes together in a in a not forced way at all. Mm. Um. So all right, how about all right? There's nothing I love more as a plot device. Than a good old-fashioned expository dump through the fourth wall, and my God, we gate we we finally got one in episode five, right? Because Tilly and Stamets and Burnham are all standing there at the desk, literally talking to us, explaining <laughs> the spore drive, and you know Stamets, who who for for episodes now has just been so arrogant about how brilliant he is and like, don't try and explain this to me. I invented this thing. He's sitting there letting a mutineer and a high school senior <laughs> explain to him how the thing works. And he's like, he's like, no, it, um, you know, you're exactly right. And then Tilly, because I guess we've been picked up now by CBS streaming and not network TV. We get our, our first fuck of this, of the show, I think, right. This is the first yeah. one. And I, I hear it presented in a positive way, right? <laughs> and, you know, and so so she gives it, and I'm I'm literally like I'm taking my notes. I'm like, ah, oh, we got our first fuck, and before I even get that note written, we get our second one. So, are these like bankable? Are they like carbon credits? <laughs> like you can trade them? Like I mean, they're like, oh, you know, we didn't you we forgot to use one in episode four, so we can use two this time. Maybe you know. they figured since he was just picking up on hers that it really <laughs> counts as one. Are you oh. suggesting that CBS has a fucking trade policy? <laughs> That's right. A fucking fuck trade. So yeah. uh, so 
right, yeah, so this means the episode's not PG-13, because PG-13 gets one fuck, yeah, right? That's right. Okay, so this this exposition dump, mm-hmm. you know what it's you know what it's full of bullshit. More proof. <laughs> well, that, yeah. but also more proof about why you don't need to rely on the Tartar Dog. I still don't understand why she didn't give any of this to Saru, and she just was like, "No, I don't have any proof." Like, bitch, yes, you do. <laughs> you have lots of it. This is the scene where he asks her, "What are you doing with your mouth?" Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. I'm uh, yeah. I'm trying to hold back. Let me ask let me ask you something, Willie. Cause there's another thing that did Stamets asks her. <clears throat> You're married. If you ask a woman a question that starts with, Well, would you rather be right or does it even matter what the second thing is? Have you ever met a woman who wasn't who didn't want to be right? <laughs> so yeah, it no, it that was a bizarre question to ask her and it again that if there's one thing Michael and maybe it's showing growth in the character, there's one thing Michael Burnham has not been stellar at yet, it's biting her tongue and not saying what comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Is it really character growth though? I mean, do you do you really get credit for biting your tongue if you then say why I'm biting my tongue? <laughs> well, you get you you get credit for it because apparently she was literally biting her tongue. Maybe maybe Vulcans were so literal that she didn't understand that was a tongue-in-cheek uh, phrase, and so she's literally biting her tongue, maybe. And he's what are you a- doing there? Oh, I'm swallowing my <laughs> urge to call you a fucking dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Sir. Uh, I mean, it was cut. It kind of reminds me of Talladega Nights. He's like, with all due respect. Yeah. You don't get to say whatever you want to me. I, hey, I said with all due respect. <laughs> so, all right. So we jump back again mm-hmm. to the to the brig scene, right? And yeah. or, or to to the battle cruiser. And this is where yeah. we figure out that uh, Lorel um, is is somehow captain of this ship. Yes. Even though in like a few yeah. episodes ago she was like a lackey on another ship, and so so we lackey get up there, and, and I, so we're back in the brig scene. And yes. Ash, Lieutenant Ash, wakes up from his nap. Yes. And he's he's going to share a cracker. And skeevy Harvey Mudd steals the cracker with a, with Jiminy Cricket. I've, right? Jiminy I've, Cricket I've, runs I've, over there and takes I have his, a question. his cracker. Do you, do you think behind the scenes that Glenn's roommate freshman year was named Stuart? <laughs> um, he he lost a bet a little... to him. Actually, I do have a little background. Uh, turns out he's named for the, the guy in Big Bang Theory. Okay. <sighs> well, I'm very disappointed I'm, that you didn't say Glenn's freshman year room. Yep, yeah, I'm very well, disappointed too. I don't know. I don't know. With boundary issues. <laughs> yep. So, all right. So, okay. So, so, Ash Tyler. So many people. Uh, so, um, and so, he's like, how have you survived seven months? You know. Oh, it's been seven months ever since I was captured at the Battle of the Binary Stars. And uh, uh, so Loka's like, how do you survive in a Klingon jail cell for seven months? They come in and they, they beat the shit out. Have you always had? And so I was like, wow, the captain's taking a liking to me, right? And so 
And it's Lacrell. And then it's Lacrell. <laughs> I didn't know that. All right. And so <laughs> I didn't know that. So so full disclosure, uh, in an offline conversation, we were talking about how Klingons were different, and I made the joke about. I wonder if they have bifurcated penises too, because <laughs> we just like to change everything about him. And son of a bitch, did you pick up on what he said to her? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't even have the right number of organs. He doesn't even have the right number of organs. And that's what sets her off. Like she's she's really hurting for the double stuff and all she can get <laughs> are the standard Oreos, right? <laughs> so all right, so so she's so she's talking to him, right? Didn't have the right number of organs. We put the Google Glass on his eyes. She shines a light in him, and apparently, you know, it, it's just excruciating yes, for him. Yes, And And I'm just waiting on, after she she pries his eyelids open and turns the lights on, I was just waiting on her to be like, how many lights do you see? Because he's got, what, three huge bright-ass lights shining in his eyes? <laughs> oh, man. So the uh, <laughs> lights. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm glad I'm not the yeah. only one who thought that. So to, back to, to burn to, to bounce back Let's to jump the back. before that. Um, Stamets is explaining the problem of how the spore drive is killing Ripper. Um, and it gets into the whole thing about um, the tardigrades unique genetic ma- genetic makeup. Navigate the mycelium network. He borrows mycelium. Yeah, the techno babble here makes mm-hmm. it worse. This is such a dumb idea that explaining it further makes it dumber. They should just say it's magic. That's right. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know this what? No, we, we, sorry, we did cover that because that's the fucking cool conversation. I'm sorry. I that's right. That. That's fine. Yeah, but I the- wanted to say this. I wanted to make this point that that their explanations of this dumb technology make it sound even dumber. At this point, I don't I don't even want to know how they're telling me they get on the rainbow bridge. Just fucking go with it. Just whoop, 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 and go. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. So all right, so so we get Can I also we, we get back. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, I don't want to stifle you. Come on with it. Okay. Let me ask you guys this. Did you think that Mud's sanctimonious speech about his hatred for Starfleet made any goddamn sense at all. How did the war make it any worse on him? Uh, well, because he got chased into the waiting arms of Klingon uh, raiders, right? Because so of the war. So let's just say that they weren't at war with the Klingons and they chased him into, into Klingon territory. Is that going to go well in peacetime? Well, at least at that okay. point, he only had 24 fragmented houses to try and evade, right? He didn't right. have a Klingon empire. Come on, don't, stop being so obtuse. <laughs> These people. Follow-up question number two. <laughs> B. One B. You're going to bitch about Starfleet boldly going, you just bought a bitch a moon. <laughs> they, uh, it, it, you seem to be doing pretty well with the whole boldly going and space travel and exploration and, like, it, it was a lesser I mean, moon. I, it was probably a lesser moon. Yeah, let's let's not get too too caught up on that, right? How many lesser moons can you buy from Earth <laughs> without starships and Starfleet boldly going? Yeah, but he didn't say it was an Earth moon, right? That's my point. Could have been. That's a, my point. Could have been a forest moon. Oh, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, 
Uh, I just, it's like, don't go out and explore and find moons for me to buy. Like, what? I get it. he's a charlatan and, and he's a, I mean, it, but at least, fuck, at least let it make <laughs> sense. I, just, I was just like, this is, this is dumb. This does not make sense to me. <sighs> so, all right. So, so we, we skip back. And at this point, we're back in, uh, I guess, engineering or, or, the, I don't think it's in, it's okay. it's the, uh, the it's dash the drive lab. room. Yeah, so, so we we get in there, and maybe I heard this scene wrong. So Saru comes in, and he's he's all pissed because he told Burnham to drop it. And uh, I have written down here that there was a real condescending thing to say to Saru, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, oh, she's terrible. Oh, she's a total she, condescending oh, oh. shit in this scene. Okay, all right. So there was yeah, yeah. there was something. He said she says. She says to to Saru, and she talks really he's like, slow. Do you, she's like, "Do you understand?" It's it's like when when you're supposed to apologize, and you're like, "Well, I'm sorry that you took it wrong." He says, "Did you not understand my orders?" She's like, "I understand that you're upset." Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh god. And that was it. That, that was it. No, 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 not just that. And that your culture teaches you to be a pussy. <laughs> But Saru, I mean, I'm pretty like, sure Saru lays into her though, because I have get him. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah. So he does. So he he says, "How he her dare you treat me like a xenobiology subject?" Yeah, this is exactly what he should have said. Exactly. She, but so so she rails off, and maybe I heard this wrong. But he's like, she's like, "Here's this hypo spray." Uh, little did you know, little known fact, did you know that humans share fifty percent of their DNA with mushrooms? And oh, I'm just gonna look that so up. So I'll admit, I'll admit, I hear that, and I'm like, that just doesn't sound right. And so I, I do a cursory Google search, and granted, you know, I'm confusing Google with research here, but you I look it up, and and I do find like it says like you know it's about thirty percent, right? Like like there there is a number out there. So my thought is, you clearly did enough research to know there was something there. Why didn't you do enough thorough research to get an actual number? And furthermore, if in 2000, it's 30%, how does it go up? Are we evolving into mushrooms by the 23rd century? Like, is that is that where evolution is taking us? It doesn't quite work that way, but your broader <laughs> point is entirely valid. Yeah. Well, my broader point was actually, my broader point was it was fucking stupid, yeah, Warden. Yeah, well, that, that was my broader point. <laughs> okay. Yes. No, I, I, no, I, I just said entirely. It makes <laughs> no sense. Why? I mean, thirty percent is. I, I'm sorry if I hear thirty percent. I. That sounds like a lot to me. So I don't know why. That, that sounded like a lot to me. I didn't. Don't know why they had to make up fifty percent if that's the case. Okay. So, so I, you know, once again, I don't understand why. Saru is so pissed. I mean, if 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 your dash drive is on the verge of not working because you've pushed the tartar dog too hard. Let's just say I love our terminology in this show. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a show you're gonna be able to pick up mid season. This is uh this is marketing genius because you're gonna have to pick it up from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all right, so all right, Joe Bob, so, you were going. Yep. So if 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 your apparently best science officer uh, and your chief medical nurse <laughs> and 
the inventor of the dash drive are all telling you that there's a good chance that the Tardis dog is going to burn out. <laughs> Don't you want them working on a way to uh, make the spore drive mm-hmm. work? You know, I mean, don't, I don't understand Saru's anger in this, in this situation. Ah, yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. I guess because they were second guessing him and he was finally maybe in a, in a captaincy type role and he just didn't like being second guessed. Maybe that was it. Yeah, I am. I'm Uh, I'm thinking that's what they're portraying. I don't know how a person would react or a person like Saru would react, but yeah. That is what they're trying to show. Here's what bothers me about this episode. They knew that they could not have an episode where they give a shit about the Tartar Dog and basically work outside orders with Lorca in command. So they had this whole convoluted plot that didn't make any goddamn sense <laughs> to get Lorca out of there. They, they, they knew that this shit wouldn't fly with Lorca in command. So they needed Lorca light. They could be a little bit, you know, less draconian with the crew and on the Tartar Dog and everything, and the crew could actually disobey and get away with it. But we killed Sergeant Ponytail in the last episode, so we couldn't use her. So all we're left with is Saru, and basically we need Saru to act like a watered-down version of Lorca. And that's why he's not acting like Saru, is... Because the plot needed someone who was kind of like Lorca, but not enough to, like, actually throw people off their ship. Because, I mean, what they're doing is basically could be considered mutiny, right? In wartime? I mean, when when the doctor is like, I, I won't do this. I'm out. Peace. Yeah. I mean, that's disobeying a direct mm-hmm. order. Yep, that's not good to do in the middle of war. Uh, it's a celebrated, uh, it's a celebrated facet in Starfleet. It's... You know, we mutineers, mutinies, you know, disobeying orders, disrespecting the chain of command. It's 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 kind of status quo. And yet, Burnham's our first mutineer. First one. Yep. Somehow. So okay. So anyway, right, so so we move on. I'm sorry. Were you finished with with Saru's pissed? Yes. I I just wanted to say. I think the guy that plays Saru is a good mm-hmm. actor. Because even through all that makeup, you could kind of hear his voice crack when he was, you know, saying, this is the exact kind of shit that got Captain Jojo eaten. They don't know that. I mean, they don't know eating. But just killed. Yeah. Just killed, right. But then the bridge is like, sir, we've ID'd the exact cruiser that he's being held on. I'm like, how the fuck did that happen from outside of Klingon space? The, you, ID- you ID'd the exact cruiser? The plot needed it to, man. Those some kick-ass censors. Yeah. We went from plotting... Well, we, an well infinite keep in mind, we only had vectors. three vectors that they could have gone on. We, we narrowed it down to three. Mm. Three possible vectors. Does that make any goddamn yeah. sense? So. <laughs> so, Moving forward. All right, so, so, so whatever. Saru gets mad, so, okay, just let's, burn let's, shit, all right. and then being... Let's just go back <laughs> to the prison ship. So we're back to the prison ship, and, and this next part... Either either really irritated me or it was really lazy writing or both. Because he goes in, Lorca's like, I was, you know, keep in mind, everything Laurel said to him about the discovery and about everything was true. Everything that she did to him was true. And he gets back in the cell and he's like, somebody's feeding him information. I've been dropping conversational nuggets this whole time. If you're going to do that, wouldn't 
can you drop conversational nuggets that were like just slightly off base so that you would be able to tell if someone's feeding that information back? Because yeah, like everything that. that she said to him was true. Yeah. It was that she used the word ghost. Yep. It was that she used the word ghost. I, 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 after I watched it a second time, I figured it had to be when he said, I'm like a ghost. My ship's like a ghost. Once again, the only possible <laughs> explanation. explanation. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, and we learn how Lorca got his eyes burned. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. the, we get another sanctimonious speech though um, from Mud at this point, right? When yeah, when when they tell him about Lorca, did anybody else just feel like that whole story was a little bit too unhinged for a Starfleet captain? Like, I mean, <laughs> like, oh, I don't want my I, I don't want my crew to have to go back to Kronos, so I'm gonna set a bomb and fly away, like. I mean, who's writing this shit? How does this well, guy then fa- become in command of like the most elite starship in Starfleet at that point? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> and none of this made any goddamn sense. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part about this story is that the situation that Lorca's currently in proves that he was completely fucking wrong to do it because <laughs> yeah, it's true. This Klingon prison ship has apparently just been jetting around with mud and ash, which uh, I mean, now I fucking don't think ash is, is even is. Uh, <laughs> let's just call him which the. This, let's call him the Phoenix. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, mud and Lorca and Ash—they haven't gone to Krodos for uh, public slow public deaths. Uh, they didn't just get mud. Oh. Uh, well, I think Tyler's a plant, but the other dude, <laughs> the one that they snapped his neck at the beginning, uh, uh, I don't think they just got him. Yeah, he did. So basically, Lorca doesn't know what the fuck Klingons do with prisoners. He just he just blew his ship up for no reason. And I'm and I'm like kind of trying to. I was playing that scene out in my mind. Like, how does that work? Like, how do you blow up your ship while you're running away? Like. Yeah, uh, you you set a self destruct sequence, and then when they release their garbage, you float out with it. <laughs> and like, but no one else on the bridge knew that the self destruct sequence had been activated. Like, I, it, uh, dude, no one else went to an escape pod. No one, Lorca. No one, Lorca. Like he jettisoned all the escape pods first, set the self destruct alarm <laughs> so that everybody's listening to it. And they're like, computer, open a hailing frequency to the whole ship. And then he then he transmits the self destruct codes, and then like Slim Pickens just like flies away from the ship. Uh, <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Oh yes. Ten seconds to self destruct. <laughs> this is your last chance yeah. to press the cancellation button. Have a nice day. Thank you. <laughs> Fuck! Even in the future, nothing works. <laughs> that was. I thought that's where you were going earlier with the one. Uh, one F bomb allowed. Although that movie was definitely rated R. Never mind. But um, all right. By so the way, why so, the heck does Stuart survive this episode? Because we can't be mean to animals in this show, <laughs> right? We had to. Uh, we had to show so, a shred of humanity so, in mud. So we daintily take the recording device off of the bug and hand it to Mud, 
And then when we finally do pick it up and throw it at the wall, he still doesn't get killed. I mean, the bug, if it was me, that... would have been on the floor, smashed with the camera. I mean, it... you use the um, heel of Ash the Tyler. <laughs> Yeah, the Phoenix chose his pain, and it was uh, it was going to be given to Stewart instead. So he throws him against the wall, and he it was dumb. And he survives, right? He survives and runs back over there, like the, like I said, like fucking Stuart Little or whatever. Oh God, was that where the <laughs> fucking name came from? <laughs> oh it, Jesus! The Big Bang Theory. Oh shit! Yeah, I I promise. Oh. <sighs> shit so okay but but that was it for that brick scene right uh, you know we get the whole big Lorca backstory yeah, and then yeah. and now we jump so we jump back yes. to the all right so we jump back to the uh discovery right uh -huh, uh -huh. and and they make think, they make a jump that, go ahead you think that they named it the discovery because when it when it goes to warp it looks like a it looks like a cd spinning and it's like uh what do we name this disc the discovery, because that's what I think every time I see the stupid ass saucer spin. I think it's about I think it's about how the characters all discover something about themselves uh, once they've been on board. It's like an aura, but um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so so they they, anyway. they they make the jump and the the Tarda dog releases all his water, and this kills me. Right, yes. the thing I like goes it up this. like a. Like a roly poly, right? Yeah. And literally releases his water. Okay. <laughs> they go and tell Saru this, and he's like, That's not oh. a problem. <laughs> Rehydrate it. Like the pizza yeah, like and back to the future, too. Like just throw him in the rehydrator. And like you, you understand this isn't these little goddamn dinosaur pills, sponges <laughs> that you throw it's in not the a, water. It's not a chia pet. You don't just throw some water on it. Yeah. Well, the thing that I'm having trouble okay. with. Is what I, okay. So. Yeah. Oh, I just want to say that. So in the in the first episode that they were on board Discovery, when they went to Blacklight, there was like water droplets uh -huh. yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is that? And now I'm like, is that. Was that a great disturbance? As if millions of tardigrades suddenly dried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Oh, God. Is that where the water came no, I, from? The little I microscopic don't ones? Think that, that's a good question. That's, that's, just, I don't, that's just you creating connections for bad writing, I think. Um, I don't... Well, there had to be a reason they put water um, there. Well, here's... I actually want to know... What is the purpose of Black Alert anyway? Isn't it just an added know. step, some some bureaucracy for them to be able to jump the ship anyway? They're like, go to Black Alert. To make it momentous because you know new technology occurs. Right, that's exactly what it is. Hey, uh, we're gonna make a jump, so I don't know. Buckle up, like I mean, because nobody <laughs> does anything. Everybody just looks all serious when it happens. Like, go to Black Alert. Well, and then they go with their, like, run silent, run deep. Yes. I'm like, why don't you run like this all the time? You know, how do you run impulse engines and chase a ship, but you run silent? You know? I don't understand. It's like, it's like why don't you just do this all the time? You know? Would it have been, wh why didn't Lorca run silent on his little shuttlecraft? You know? So, so, just, so they're like... Yeah. 
the other thing about this is okay so the tardigrade apparently lost 99 percent of its okay yeah i thought i thought it was 95 but yeah it, it was in the 90s it, it, it's it, 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 it no it, it didn't it's academic it's a considerable right? percentage. no it didn't and <laughs> no it didn't because there's like that's what i'm saying there's like 12 there's ounces like tiny little pump. <laughs> it, 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 if, if it if something that big lost 90 plus percent of its water there would be people in that room, engineering bay, with wet pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Now you're. He just said ninety-five percent of his water. The tartar dog may not be made up of like seventy percent water, like a like a human is, right? Okay. Maybe it, uh, you okay. know, maybe he only has fifteen ounces to, of water in him, and he lost fourteen ounces. If it's if it's supposed to be a derivation of a tardigrade tardigrades basically live in water <laughs> well don't i don't think one, that we need to <laughs> i don't think i don't think we need to belabor the point this has been poorly written okay okay i'm just so yeah so but but, but, but it, to your point willie saru displays a fundamental lack of understanding <laughs> It's how cryptobiosis or whatever they call it is, right? Yes. At one point, he even says, crack it open if you have to. It's like, what the fuck? But the doctor's like, the doctor's like, I'm relatively certain that would kill him. And at that point, at that point, I'm like, you know, Saru, to have supposedly been on the binary side of prey, he's acting awfully predatory in this episode. Like, he's like, Oh, just rehydrate it. If that doesn't work, just crack him open like a coconut. Like <laughs> no, nothing about him seemed like old Saru. Bet you wish now you'd had your top minds working on a plan B, huh? That's right. <laughs> top men. <laughs> That's Ooh, what it is. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. So he reminded he reminded me of Luke Skywalker in uh in episode four. When R2 quits playing the message, she was like, oh, what happened? Bring it back. <laughs> Rehydrate the tarted dog. <laughs> Play the rest of the message. Uh, oh, jeez. All right. So, All right, so the, yeah, prison cell again. So that we go back to the prison cell again. And, um, you know, again, Mud, he's like a bad villain in a Bond movie at this point. And I don't mean like a late or a recent Bond movie. I'm talking about like Moonraker, like those type <laughs> Bond villains. I can't believe they gave him a beard and not a comical villain mustache. To pull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so all right. So so they planned their escape. It was always a two man job. Um, the he was just waiting on I, Mister Wright. Right. Like, I, I do kind of like the Mud's line here. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bravo, uh, Mr. Tyler. You played. Um, All right. Can I just say that it too, that I think if you like uh, pistol whipped or rifle whip, whatever the hell, hit him with the butt of that damn Klingon <laughs> rifle that hard, it, it would knock his teeth out and probably crack his skull. Probably so. Not let him jump up and yell uh, threats towards you. Yeah. So anyway. All right. So. is like, I got no time for this shit. We're wrapping this up in a single episode, so I'm going to bump the difficulty level down to JV. 
and we're going to get off this motherfucker <laughs> because he had a limited saves. Most, you know, this yeah. these are the most inept guards ever. They're terrible shooters. First off, you know, they come in there mm-hmm. and they let him get disarmed because he goes to crack his skull open and, you know, he like opens his eyes like the only way it could have been worse would have been like if he'd opened his eyes and been like, surprise! And, and, and then sprung the trap on him, but First off, why are all the Klingons dressed like they're on their way to a Renaissance fair in these ships? Like, I don't get their uniforms. Their uniforms don't make any sense. They're so frilly and colorful and so not Klingon. I don't know. Maybe maybe the transmissions from Earth in the 1980s just made it there and Thriller really took off on Kronos. <laughs> maybe so. Because... Because one of the ranks is that Michael Jackson red outfit from Thriller. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, female captain gets the white fur. Yeah, gets the white. So, okay, so on this female captain, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this this scene, uh, apparently Ash Tyler gets supposedly injured, and he's like, I'm slowing you down too much. Just leave me. And Lorca's like, first off, he's like, I'm going to go find the docking bay. He comes back in like twenty seconds, so it must have yeah, literally. It's like, it was like, it's like it was around, right the, around corner. the corner. Yeah. Holy shit! But like, he's like, "I'm slowing you down, Captain. Just leave me here." So, <laughs> so it sets him down. Been, five seconds. Would have been awesome. Five seconds. If he'd gotten to the end of the hall and there was like a sign and it was said "Torture Room Right." Yeah. <laughs> Docking bay left. left. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he he sets him down over there, and at this point, I can't tell. Did the writers and because five seconds later he jumps up and and goes to have a little S and M action with his his chick lady, and he seems perfectly fine. He's able to engage in physical combat with a Klingon. So did he trick Lorca into leaving him because he wanted to stay behind or he wanted to attack Lorel? He, he, well, now that I found out it's Lorel, I think. I think he knew that the docking bay was right there and that Lorca would come back. And Lacrell was just sitting there in the shadows waiting on Lorca to leave. And they just had a little bit of a... I almost was thinking that, too. They put on a show. They're like, he intent Because as soon as Lorca goes around the corner, Lacrell or Lorel or whatever her name is, comes out. You know? Because then I thought, it's the only explanation for the yeah. ease of our escape. <laughs> they let us go. <laughs> I was actually queuing that up. <laughs> you call that easy. <laughs> Although that was quite a gamble that Lacrell took because every shot that Orca fired was dead tits on. Yeah, everyone they all get her. They all get disintegrated except her and she gets a flesh wound. I, I didn't really get that, but it's, I couldn't tell if the if the shot was supposed to have hit her or if it was splash damage from hitting the wall. I but, I uh, think it, it, was it, 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 damage, was, it but, the shot grazed uh, her face. It, it is what I understand. So she didn't get a full, full on. She just basically got plasma burns. So I just kind of assumed if you get grazed with a complete disrupt anti matter disruptor cannon, that you still disintegrate. Yeah, completely. I, I don't think she was because it. It's it's not like it just burn a hole in people's chest. Their fingertips, which were pretty far away from the point of impact, immediately were yeah. poof. 
right. So I, I don't know how this goddamn works. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. I, I can I uh, so just to, I mean, I liked it when we saw disruptor. You, you know, the disruptors that completely vaporize people in other iterations of Star Trek where it like slowly vaporized them. So you're like, okay, well it just sort of spread into chain reaction thing instead of it looking like, <laughs> you know, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's stupid. I don't like it yeah. either. So, well, and, and you know, you hear there, I thought the lore was that disruptors kind of less, um, what is the word I'm looking They're, they're, they're less moral. Cause you know, it's, it's more painful. only the Veron T disruptor. Oh, yeah. Okay. That one's banned. Yeah, that one's outlawed. you from the inside out slowly. That's right. Which is different than vaporizing you from the outside in somehow. Apparently. Apparently. Um, All right, so let me ask this question. Do you guys think it was in keeping with, with Orca's character that this Klingon that had tortured him and that knew about Discovery and is running this prison ship is laying there on the ground screaming and he doesn't pop another disruptor around in her and finish her off. Nope. He's just like, okay, I'm going to leave you there because presumably you might pop up in another episode. <laughs> um, Is there any reason Lorca would have made that decision other than the plot needed him to? I'm going to go can... with no. No, but the only thing I could think of as a logical thought, the way she was carrying on, that um, maybe she was dying. <laughs> because, fuck, that was a scream. <laughs> yeah. See, yes, it was. <laughs> see, I loved, I loved how it paralleled the opening scene with Michael Burnham. Uh, you know the, the screen. I, I, I thought it was genius writing. It was another uh, let's knock off early for the day moment. I think <laughs> we we bookended it. Oh yeah, um, the scene was full of just interesting parallels. <laughs> You know, or this episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah. uh, what if we did? What What if we cut back and forth so many goddamn <laughs> times just to really hammer home the difference of what it's like to be a prisoner for the Klingons and a prisoner for the Federation? Federation, they're so sad about the Tartar Dog. <laughs> Klingons, just choose your pain. Yeah. Even even though the Federation See, is pretty shitty to the Tartar Dog yeah. the whole time, except for well, in that case, at least the Klingons give you a choice. They have more humanity than, than Starfleet. Starfleet just Fair uses enough. you to whatever end they need you. Fair enough. Pretty much verbatim what Lorca said to Burnham when she first came on the ship. So, they all disintegrated but her. The docking bay was apparently around the corner. So, so they, they go get in these ships that I can't tell. Is it supposed to be the Needler from Halo? Or is it, or is it the Star Trek equivalent of Goldmember's penis car? Because <laughs> these things don't make any sense at all. The way they're, they're so designed, stupid looking. <laughs> the, so they're the, flying. The little fan like, thing and stuff. Yeah, that's bizarre. Was they look like the, they look like the Ravager fighters from Guardians of the Galaxy too? I mean, oh it's yeah, just, actually, come to think of it, they don't. What they don't look like. I can list a lot of things they do look like. What they don't fucking look like is anything Klingon or anything remotely Star Trek. Yep. They're terribly designed. They look like mechanical dragonflies that Lorca immediately knows how to pilot. He's like, raise the shields. It's a blue button on your left. Yeah. So, well, maybe the Raider is what he stole when he uh, when he blew up the ship. Maybe that was what it was. Because... Uh, uh, 
Yeah, they maybe did that establish would that he some continuity. More, so he might have. Yeah. So, so yeah. I guess because there were two people in their raider, it was weighted down, and all the other ones could catch him, even though they were all and identical ships. <laughs> you know, and go in front of them, and they managed to launch all at the same time. I guess. Yeah. How many raiders are on a D seven? <sighs> at least five. When did we start carrying raiders? Uh-huh. Does any of this make any goddamn no. sense to anyone else? So, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, fighters were not a part of Star Trek until, I guess, maybe DS9. They, they, were, they started having some, some fighters. Yeah, the, but, the, the first, the runabouts in the uh, early days. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so the, the, the penis cars get released. And uh, for the first time in the episode, Saru starts to think like Saru again. He's like, wait a minute, I've seen yep. this before. These two have broken off to cut off. They're like, these four are exhibiting predator behavior. This one is the prey. He's like, let's, we need to reach out to him. Sir, that'll expose our position. How far away was all this going on that you didn't see the massive starship sitting there? But they, but they could see the Raiders. Right, they can see the Raiders. And I mean, I guess... To be fair, I guess they were tracking the D7. They knew the D7 was there because they were running silent, running deep. Apparently the D7 couldn't see them. I don't know. I don't understand how sensors work anymore. <laughs> I don't think any, I don't think the writers do either. Okay. But it's going to it's going to expose our position if we beam them out. So we beam them out in a true Lorca fashion. He gets They've got all this goddamn info on the discovery. They know that it's the ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 standard parsecs and that it's the one that saved Corvan too and that it's like a ghost and like they know all this information about it but like they can't find it when it's right under their nose. Mm -hmm. There's something else here that's bothering me. I'm with you all the way up to the point, Willie, of it's great that he he notices there's something strange, pack behavior, blah, blah, blah. Wonderful. Great. Um, Making the leap of logic to that's our captain. is once again an example of what you guys have been saying over and over again is that's that's the only thing it could possibly be. Really? Um, <laughs> Why didn't anybody make a point of like, well, no shit, Saru, that they're chasing... Did you not see him blow one of the others up like two seconds ago? <laughs> oh, so there were six, I guess. There are six Klingon penises. But... Yeah. but uh, the Hydra. I guess I, I have a dozen's a good number to have, right? Yeah, I mean it's nice. You know, why not round it off to an even six? But so, all right. So, so he opens a hailing frequency to him, and again, he's like, "We're gonna have to lower the shields," thus proving again how squishy these ships are. Because he just blew one up. Like, I'm gonna throw on the brakes. He's gonna fly right by us. And so, <laughs> dropped the shields, beamed him over in the most telegraphed way possible. He's like, Mr. Stamets, is the tardigrade ready to jump? And Stamets comes on. He's like, yes, sir. We're ready. ready to jump. <laughs> you know, just so telegraphed. Like, oh, my God. Can I, can I say, I thought it would be funny if, because when they beamed, uh, when they beamed Orca and uh, Phoenix over. Why did Phoenix they were both, fall? They were both standing up and Phoenix. <laughs> I, I just assumed it was because he was so tired from being a prisoner for seven months. But I was thinking that, would it be funny if since they were sitting down in the fighter, when they beamed over, they were both like just in a seated position and down. fell down That'd be awesome. Ass, but that would be, that would be humor. <laughs> yes. 
uh, that would be too lowbrow. <laughs> that would be intentional this. humor. Yes. Let's move on to Stamets trying out the nipple clamps. Yes. Again, the whole engineering bay is empty, apparently. Stamets was the only one in there. <laughs> and did anyone else think it was funny that Saru took like a whole goddamn away team there? <laughs> like it, it looked like a clown car. He came through the door and like six people came with him. Uh. Oh, until he finds the bong and she's like, holy shit, he took a hit of the tardigrade. <laughs> yep. But so so he gasps and he's awake again and he's laughing hysterically because um, it was apparently one hell of a ride. And I thought it was I thought it was cute. He finally got to talk to his mushrooms like he'd been. That's warm. right. He did. I, look, I found him endearing in this episode. I liked I liked Stamets in this episode. Mm-hmm. I like Stamets. Yeah, he, he, he's like turned Stamets into a pretty period, decent but... character. Um. But so we realize so, how tragic what we're doing to the, the tardigrade is. So we come up with the yeah, most it, acidine it been, plan ever. It must have been real tragic if Stamets wakes up laughing. <laughs> That's true. From it, you know. But so Saru decides he's gonna head to uh Mike's quarters because very much in keeping with Mike's character, she has followed this order and confined herself to quarters. <laughs> the first goddamn order she has followed on the show, she set this one out. And he says he's not afraid of her, even though his threat boner says otherwise. And he is I don't know. Did you think this her. scene? Yes. Yeah. Did you, did you like, do you guys like this scene? No, not particularly. I find his motivations believable, but thin, at least as it's presented. I feel like. Well, I thought it was dumb that he's like, you know, I'd have been more prepared for today if if JoJo was still alive. Like, it's only been six months. Right. Presumably, Mike might not have even moved on yet. Right. Yeah, he's you like, know. yeah, yeah, because he's all like, I should have been more prepared because JoJo's the only one who could have taught him anything, apparently, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess she was top five. So, um, yeah, that, yeah, it, she is that top does matter. Five. General jealousy, I can get, but yeah, the the, the specifics you're getting into, I, I just, I, I, I will I mean, say I that think being in charge, I think fucks it's with nice. So things that so yeah. things make sense to you that, so that aren't necessarily the case, but um, I mean, it, I think it's nice to try to see amending fences a little, yeah, and it wasn't too corny or over the top. They're still kind of button heads, right? And then she pulls out. JoJo's this, space deal. This was what annoyed me. <laughs> was the telescope scene? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. That that that's where the scene kind of. I guess I was okay with it up until that point, and then I was like, "This is just." Yeah, I just don't so, get. I don't understand don't that decision. Why, okay, somebody tells you you had an experience that I wasn't going to be able to have because of something you did, and why the solution to that is here. Have this piece of broken junk from that person. That makes it all better. She's probably she was probably sitting there thinking like, "Thank God, I'm tired of that stupid thing beeping at me all the time." <laughs> well, no, she accepted it. <laughs> we don't know that for a I fact. Mean, if you want to keepsake, go back to the torch ship because it should. I mean, they might have JoJo's skull oh there somewhere. P- picked clean, picked clean. Yeah. Uh and Hamlet is better than the original Klingon, so... That's true. Alas, poor Giorgio. <laughs> I knew her well. Well, to me, the space telescope just represents 
how goddamn stupid the last episode was. Because I still can't get over the fact that they went back for the fucking telescope, <laughs> but not for Ash Tyler or anything. What? Yeah. Uh, I just, it's so stupid. Yeah. But we've got it. And now we've we've given it to Saru. So, and he gives the order because Lorca is the kind of guy who doesn't take back over command until he's fully medically cleared. Yes, exactly. Yes. We know he wouldn't just immediately get beamed back in and say, you're relieved, Mr. Saru. Even though I think the first thing he did was give the order to jump when he got beamed in. But whatever. Saru's still somehow in command. And he's like, I order you. You know. Uh, Right. (laughs) Well, he hasn't taken over. And okay. Whatever. Whatever. So, all right. So she says, go save his life. Go save his life. So we, we concoct the most... A heartstring tugging scene I've ever seen in Star Trek where this creature that presumably needs oxygen, things like that to survive, it has voided its body of all water. We are going to just eject it into space. Well, if you were going to be injected into space, wouldn't you void it? <laughs> but we're going to give it some spores first, though, because we're get, we got to sprinkle pixie dust on it to make sure it can fly when it gets you out there. this one. Because he basically free willies. He basically jumps up over him <laughs> in the escape. Here's what oh, I don't can get. I, can I ask a question? Can I go first this time? Um, oh, please go first. Yes. Okay, this thing goes out into space and miraculous rehydrates. Because Where with the all the moisture the in space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought that too. Like, uh, it, you, you, I you send it off into a vacuum. And a in a moistureless uh, space, and expect it to all be like they're like. Oh, I hope this works. Wh- how? Why would this have worked? This was a terrible idea. If you wouldn't have been great if the ball had just kept going and going and like <laughs> gone into a sun <laughs> <laughs> and boom, the sun dog is no more. <laughs> yeah. I can think of like a, there's probably like a great line in there for um <laughs> well she was saying well, something well, well, like they 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 panned her and she's like giving it its last rights or something I don't even remember what she said weird. that was which is weird <laughs> very weird it's it's like they so, do expect it to die you know it's they're like right well um we don't this was work so let's try that and then. Shoot yep. the bitch in the space. Uh, this this was my Ermagerd moment on this episode for sure. <laughs> yeah, here's the other thing. What was that like piece of equipment used for? Is that like toilet? Uh, like, I don't know. What good is I something that like, just launches something this, out into space? What good is that? This like, seems very singular in its I mean, I, that is the Tartar Dog release mechanism <laughs> number four. <laughs> oh, this. That's in Science Bay number two hundred and ninety-two. That's right. <laughs> this I, is th- this science experiment brought to you by some thirteen-year-old wanting to see what happens when you launch various things into space. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> just. Oh, that was so uh, stupid, and it and it shoots it up, and then it just stops because again we have a fundamental misunderstding of how space and inertia and and 
uh-huh. momentum and everything works. It shoots up out well, of that, there and then stops. Because it climbed onto the rainbow bridge. <laughs> maybe the maybe the microscopic tartar dogs <laughs> grabbed it, stopped it. Oh god! And then donated their water. To, um, maybe well, the, then that's a maybe that's, that's a genocide. Like there would have been billions of microscopic tardigrades. Uh, uh, dead from that, you know. Ugh. Well, maybe since it can travel all these places, it just reached along the mycelial network and pulled water from where it's in atmospheres. Sure. Across. The- Look, none of this makes any goddamn sense. I don't know why we're trying so hard to figure it out. I don't know. Why because I just love the fact. That there are these giant tartar dog species out there, <laughs> fucking lightning, rainbow bridging from one end of the galaxy to the other. Just, I, and we've never seen them before, and we'll never see them again. But like, right, the fact that right. they could just harness Flash's speed force. I was thinking more like <laughs> Road Runner to me. Like he looked like the Road Runner getting ready to take off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. But but by God, we let him out. Even though, you know, we noticed that the happiest this creature was was when he was, like, interfacing with the mushrooms. Why didn't they just be like, just here, just live amongst the mushrooms, do your thing, you know. uh, Don't eat us. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Furthermore, (laughs) well, they're fine. He wanted to be free. Free Willy? He did want to be free, yep. Free Willy. So, So we let him out. You know, we... We white fanged him. So go on, get out of here, tartar dog. And uh, and then we panned to. I hope he. I hope he comes back. I hope like they're in a hopeless situation, and like tartar dog comes back and brings like twelve of his tartar dog friends, and they each grab one of the crew members and rainbow bridge him away. <laughs> I want something so so profoundly stupid to happen to wrap this arc up. <laughs> But the only way for that to be perfect is if he goes back and licks Burnham in the face again when he's done with it. After he rescues everybody, he goes up and licks her and uh, and then shoots away again. Or no, or no, maybe they're like on an away mission and like this giant hostile Tartar Dog is about to eat them all. And, and Tartar Dog once lightning bolts in and is like, no, I lived with these humans. I learned their ways. They are okay. <laughs> and the big tartar dog. And, and the dialogue will be that bad. It will be that bad. And we'll have but to read it in subtitles. And it'll be in subtitles. Oh, man. Then we're, and, the, and the big giant tartar dog's like, yeah. <laughs> and then when he, I, he's going to scoff and like mycelium spores are going to fly out of his nostrils before he turns around and walks away. Oh, God. oh, and they'll all be like, thank you, Tartar Dog. You saved us. He's going to go. The- so, so then Saru <laughs> goes back to the ready room. Oh, yeah. And it's to like, get his report card. Yeah. But then he stares straight at the camera and says, I know what I did. <laughs> I'm like, why the fuck would you say that if you're in your ready room alone? <sighs> that was pretty fourth wall breaking. I yeah. Was- yeah. We, we, we break the fourth wall on this show. Yeah, well, apparently so all right you don't talk so to yourself? oh god i'm feeling really <laughs> self-conscious um <laughs> yeah, yeah so all right so 
we close out we close out the episode uh yeah let's get to the tartar dog in the room (laughs) (laughs) so we close out the episode and um and uh warden why don't you take this one away (laughs) (laughs) oh oh so i'm i'm being profiled now am i Have the gay guy talk about the gay scene. Is that what you can you can edit this out because I need to know where the boundaries are because I have some freaking zingers from this this scene. Okay, (laughs) zing away. (laughs) Look, I I, I, look. I get I get that you're upset and that your culture (laughs) and that your culture is a little sensitive about this. (laughs) Yeah, like okay, so. Yeah, like right, I have so, any understanding of gay culture. Um, I, I have <laughs> I have one note on this scene, and it is just cute matching jammies! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! Exclamation point! <laughs> All right. So here's here's where it gets me. Okay, here here's where it gets me. And, and I actually did some research after this scene, and uh, it turns out that both of those actors are openly gay. Yes. You know, which I think is good. Because they seem to actually kind of make it natural, despite how forced the scene was. Yeah. Like I can, like, only yeah. in a show like this or a movie do spouses or partners stand there brushing teeth and and having that kind of con- like that never happens. But before I knew that that they were openly gay, I'm, I'm watching this episode, and I'm like, you know, something this show did right. My, I can believe that these guys are, you know, a same-sex couple. I said they must have had like a a gay consultant come in and uh, like tell them how to brush their teeth because even they they were kind of brushing it like I could see it, right? With with everything that they were they were interacting, I, you know, the way they would their mannerisms and everything. I'm like these guys. I can actually believe that they're a, a same-sex couple. Well, of course, then I find out that that was just a happy accident that they actually are openly gay and despite the poor writing the terrible dialogue the forced interactions they were still able to make it look you know somewhat uh somewhat natural but um i thought it was yeah good. they were working those toothbrushes like it's a klingon <laughs> second God oh, my. Yeah. oh Jesus! so i'm just leaving that one alone uh, thank you <laughs> so but but here's the thing i thought it did a lot for gender equality because the cliche is that all women want to grow up to marry the doctor. And I thought it was good that sometimes that's the little boy's dream too. And it's okay <laughs> for the little boy to want to grow up to be with the doctor too. I think so, technically they're both doctors. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and one's a real doctor. One's a real doctor. Yeah, yeah. One's a Ross Geller doctor and one of them's a real doctor. So, and, uh, and then we get to see Bizarro Stamets for just a second there. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I mean, I I thought it was okay. a cute episode. You know, the matching jammies were funny to me <laughs> because, like, the, the the implication there is that it's got to be just jammies that they picked out together. <laughs> Those are not Starfleet standard issue. Is that what you're because saying? Because you know, if, because I guarantee you, if there were Starfleet standard issue onesie jammies, Tilly would wear one to sleep in every night. <laughs> And she doesn't. That's true. And the fact that they even had cute little miniature versions of the communicator pens is just so sweet. I didn't. So I, I, I didn't see that. I guess I didn't pick up on all all the little things. But um, so you know. Yeah. But it, it, it obviously you know what 
what they were trying to go for with some of the earlier interactions between Cuba Gooding and, and Stamets, um, you know, would have made more sense. And, you know, so I had no trouble believing the scene when it, when they finally delivered it, I had no trouble believing it, but still like everything else, they delivered it in such a forced way that, um, it just, it made you want to roll your eyes instead of just, instead of it just being a natural interaction, you know? Yeah. It was a cute scene. They did a good job with it. Mm-hmm. They acted it well. The, the yeah, actors they acted did a good it, job with it. The actors did a good yes. job with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and it 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 makes the scene like when he's repairing his nose a little bit cuter. I still think it's racist to, <laughs> you know, disparage the poor Tellerites, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was a pretty cute scene, and then it ends on the dun dun dun. The sorrows, damn it. Okay, so mirror, mirror on the wall, which I'm like, yeah, because and we, I can't imagine that that's not going to return in a later episode now. Oh, but. I mean, it may be a whole freaking art. <clears throat> um, so I have thoughts. Um, I thought I would be called upon to have some. Let's hear it, Ward. So I go back and forth how I feel about this scene. First time I saw it in 2017, I wasn't out yet. Um, and sometimes it feels really stilted, and sometimes it feels okay. I think the big thing is that, like you guys said, they acted well. And I'm having that be the underlayer of this whole thing. The actors did well. But the thing is, people really don't talk that way. And I'm not just talking about the dialogue. Gay people are just like other people. And while I don't have much experience that way, most humans, in my experience, most couples are not that articulate or yeah. honest about their feelings in words. Yeah. Um, the scene is just a little bit too sweet and idealized. I mean, as you said, fucking matching jammies. <laughs> and obviously I have no problem with gay relationship on the show, but if I may be permitted to allude generally to the future, mm. their relationship is always presented as cute. While I'm happy the characters are never defined by their sexuality, they never really seem to be allowed to have sexuality either. So other than sweet kisses from time to time, they really don't get to be gay. Yeah. And so, so yeah, that's just really weird. So Hugh and Paul make a believable enough couple and have enough chemistry on screen, as we said, and you can definitely believe that off the camera, they're definitely getting it on. Yeah. Yet a bedtime what? scene with jammies does not suggest that anything overly sweaty is about to happen in this case. As we will see, this show is not at all afraid of sex. So it strikes me as somewhat troublesome and weird that the only, at times, partially emotionally well-adjusted pairings on the show never really gets that. Yeah. If we want to normalize gay in Star Trek, then let's do it. Yeah. That would be what would be truly revolutionary. This feels way safer than necessary in 2017 for a show that's supposed to be as boundary-pushing as Star Trek. I'm off my soapbox. Well, and and I mean, to your point, it's it's fine that they did it, that they wrote that into the show. There's no issues with it. I mean... That, that that's the thing about it. But when I watched the scene, the reason that I said it's forced is I can assure you that that interaction has never happened between 
my you know, my wife and me. We've never stood there and brushed our teeth, mm-hmm. and then I'll stop halfway through and look over at her and, and put my hand on on the side of her face, like that. It, that stuff just doesn't happen. And that was my issue with the scene was, and that's why I said they acted well despite what the scene yeah. was making them do. Yeah, because the scene was making it very unnatural but they were kind of bringing it back a little bit to where it was more more of a natural interaction like um you know i, I, I don't know like, well, like you if, said if it, been, it was cute a... they made it cute which which almost marginalized it yeah when you tried to make it cute so if if it had been a, if it had been a straight couple they'd probably just been laying in bed talking yeah. right or one of them would have been brushing their teeth the other one would have been out in the other room. They were just yelling at each other, you know? Right. But I guess you need to get Stamets in front of a mirror because... Well, dun, dun, but Stamets could have been in there brushing his teeth, and they could have been yelling back and forth. But it, or, and yeah, yeah, I mean... There, there was any number of interactions that would have been like a typical couple would have done at bedtime, and that was not it. <laughs> but the actors did a good job with it. Yes. So. They, they, they made it work. Yeah. There was some sort of undercurrent of, you know, you can write this shit, but <laughs> to, to, yeah. to, to pull a Harrison Ford alleged quote in there. Um, <laughs> I think they're cool. And I think it's, I mean, they are a neat couple. I just really, really wish that we could be, because other shows have been very grown up about gay couples and, and showing them as real human beings. I don't know why we can. It's not even people make a big deal about it. Them being the first openly gay couple in Star Trek. Problem is, is that there have been openly gay couples in television for a long time now. <laughs> so, oh my God, there's just no pleasing you people. <laughs> you have no gays. You complain that there's no gays, and you get the gays, and now they're too perfect. Make up your fucking mind. Oh jeez. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, jeez. You, you're aware we recruit. No, I mean, yeah, sure, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I don't know how to answer yeah. that. Yeah, I don't either. Put me on the I, I guess I, it's I, a virtual draft nowadays, though. So. Well, you know, Starfleet Regulation 18.2 Gay <laughs> says you can conscript anybody you want into the Rainbow Coalition <laughs> in a time of yes. war. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm probably going to be in trouble with the home office for letting that out, but you, whatever. Look, it's to be to be frank. It's probably one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't situations. Oh, there's a lot of that. You know, yeah. if if you you are never gonna make everybody Mm-mm. happy, Mm-mm. and so they went with the probably what they felt the safest thing was, which is to show gay people, but look, they not in any way that they could be accused of over sexualizing it. That's right. Portraying negatively. Or See, but the, you know and, and anything just... else? I mean, at least they did. You know, they went further than Star Wars did <laughs> when they're like, "We have a really big gay moment." It's like you know these two characters that we don't know yeah. the names of have a kiss in the background, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, or like, no, or again, I keep bringing this up, like Rafi and Seven of Nine. Like yeah. I don't know if that was supposed to be that, but you know, yeah, look, they was. did. They did the scene, however, the focus group of 10 straight people told them that it would have worked best. <laughs> that's yeah. that's clearly how we did this scene. Yeah, I, oh, so. I, just, I guess I come from it, and, and, and this is probably what too. If you're going to piss somebody off, then, then piss them off all the way so that you can do it, at least do it the way you want to do it the right way. I mean, 
the fact that there is a gay couple is going to irritate that particular brand of fan regardless of how far they go so and i'm not saying i want to have like you know after after midnight tv or anything like that i just want to see them sitting in bed either after or before (laughs) and 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 just you don't need to see them go to pound town you just need to know that they did yes exactly there you go yeah yeah. So, but it, they can at least be on the shuttle back from <laughs> through Klingon territory. <laughs> I, you know, I I respected that, what the actors did with yes. it. You know, I, that's, I, that's all I ship, can say. That's why the shuttles have a glory hole on top. <laughs> <laughs> so, episode five: choose your penis. Um, yeah. I don't know. I like I said. I feel like we've just departed overall, completely. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't care for this episode. Yeah. I liked. I liked three, probably the best. I think so far. Three. It again. It's really hard for me to say because there's so much dumb in all these episodes. There was a few. There were a few things well, that I kind of like. There's some silver linings, fun. right? So the Tartar Dog is out of the picture. So we've we've at least sealed that story arc. We don't have to worry about that anymore. We, you know, we're not worried about the tardigrade. But it's not like they're just going to... I mean, I can't believe they're going to throw the dash drive just completely out the window. No, no, but now we have a, a willing recipient um, of the dash drive. That yeah, that was the whole problem, right? We did, didn't have a... Uh, we, the, right. the tardigrade couldn't tell us that it wanted to or didn't want to do it. So, again, you know... <sighs> The episode to me just so much of it needed to. Ha- well, I shouldn't say needed to happen. The writers needed it to happen, so we made it happen, even though it didn't make any sense. It didn't fit. Um, yeah. Well, I hope I hope that Phoenix is a one and done character <laughs> because if he stays, oh Jesus, if he stays on board, I think it's going to end up one of those traitor in our midst things. <laughs> and I don't want to have to be dealing counter currently with traitor in our midst and the man in the mirror. I, I don't want both of those going on at the same time. Cause that's going to get taxing. <sighs> Jesus. Why does he sound evil? Uh. <laughs> oh, jeez. We need to cut this thing off. <laughs> I'm just making more and more. Sick. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll say no. <laughs> My laughter speaks for itself. I, I, like I said, I, I feel like the episode. The was... only thing, the only thing that can make it worse would be if Lacrell, if we also throw in like a plot C with Lacrell out for revenge, and now she's married to Harry Mudd, and <laughs> and she's got half uh. a face, and looks like Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> Oh, boy. I don't know. I don't even care at this point. <laughs> well, Whatever. All right. So here's the next question. I guess this is the question that I have in my mind after finishing five. What could the next episode possibly be? Where do they take the show from here? I mean, I guess you have to run down the uh, Phoenix storyline and you left Lacrell alive. You've sealed the deal on the, the tardigrade. And Lorca is setting up to basically go rogue. You know, he's not listening to anybody. He's kind of got, you know, the the God complex going on with his ship. And we found out that he already blew up his last ship. And 
mm. you know, clearly we're we're setting him up to be uh, kind of a, a rogue captain. Uh, uh, but other than that, like, what have you introduced? Yeah, you got Bizarro Stamets. So I guess we've got well, a we got a few different directions that we can go here, but you didn't really advance the Klingon War, which seems to be the common theme that they try to thread throughout these episodes. You didn't really do anything with it, right? I don't even I don't even know if the I think the Klingon War is just a backdrop. I don't even know if they're really going to even focus on. I can't tell. I don't even know if we'll see the end of it. It may happen off screen, but like. I, it just doesn't seem like the story that they want to tell. Right. And I mean, personally, I hope the next okay. episode is 40, 47 minutes of Lorca just ranting about them <laughs> letting the Tartar dog go <laughs> and insulting everyone. Yeah. Yeah. But here, okay. But here's the thing you said, uh, you said the Klingon war is not part of it. The Klingon war was the focus of episodes one, two. It was totally absent from three. Right. And then it was a focal point of four. No, it, it it it's the backdrop to tell the story of what a pretentious bitch Michael was in season in episode one and two. I guess so. It's not. It's it's not. It you know it exists, and then in the last episode, it gave him a reason to need to use the spore drive as quickly as possible. Like, I think I think that Lacrell and Vok when he gets off of Paradise Island. <laughs> Is is gonna be a part of it? Spy Phoenix, the man in the mirror. <laughs> this sounds I, like I mean, a, this sounds like a fable book. This is like Aesop's really fable does. right here. Uh, it's so convoluted already. <laughs> so goddamn dumb. Oh boy. Yeah. Maybe they'll tie them together somehow. And like, yeah. Um, yeah. If I if I had to predict maybe. where they're gonna go. This arc is going to, it's going to devolve into Lorca's undoing and um, Burnham's redemption because she mutinies against Lorca. And even though it's a mutiny again, it was done for the right reasons this time. And, uh, and they're able to oust Lorca. And this time when she goes, please, I'm trying to save you all. She actually does, and we button it up and package it with a bow, so that everybody likes Burnham again. That's that's where I think they're heading with it. And Saru finally understands that mutiny that's is right. acceptable course of action sometimes. And so they then they they promote Burnham over Saru again, and Saru's like, "I finally get it. I have so much to learn." And in a way, it's like I am Georgios' first officer. Yep. Now you can pass her knowledge on. That's right. <sighs> and then at some point, Pan to Voke cleaning Giorgio's skull like the Predator did, you know, and, and keeping it keeping it as a, a, a memento of Takuma. So, should be a good season. I'm really excited. Oh, sh- <laughs> shit, I forgot. I forgot about Takuma. Well, I forgot he was in this show. <laughs> the Unforgettable. That's right. Takuma, the Unforgettable. That seems like so long ago. <laughs> Really well, it was seven it. months ago. So, so um, uh, I also feel like the, t- the timelines are so um, arbitrary in this too. It's like we needed to make it believable that there'd been a war going on. So we're just going to say that episode three was six months after episode two. Okay. Let's do some housekeeping 
projecting into the future. So next week's episode, uh, we will be covering Lefe. Interesting episode. I'm only saying All right. thing. I'm not saying good or bad. <sighs> There's so much going on in this show at so many different points. This is like we're jumping around more than episode eight right now. Like, oh, it's worse than Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's there's so many different plots. There's no way they can possibly tie all these up together. It's like <laughs> we're just well, going to start forgetting about them and just letting them go. <clears throat> they could do that, Ugh. or they could tie them together in the most asinine way possible. We'll just have to see. Um, but what is what is what is one hundred percent not possible is for them to tie them up in a satisfying way. <laughs> I think we can say that one with full certainty. Um, so. Yeah. Harry Mudd marries Lacrell, <laughs> and uh, Volk comes riding in on a Tartar dog, <laughs> and they say, Ash, join us. And it turns out he is their baby from, he's their offspring from the mirror dimension. And he was only allowed to come in because of the mirror dimension stuff from Stamets in the mirror and <sighs> yep should be fun and yes so and they have to bring in Spock to make sense of it all because <laughs> I do know Spock shows up at some point that is one that is, that is yeah. one spoiler I could not miss and with that it's uh, Warden Joe Bob and Lily signing off Fight and Fury, performed by R.J. Wilkes, used under license from Shutterstock 3.0.